All right. Hello. Hello. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It is so good to see all of your beautiful faces. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And if you're watching online or if you're in person with us, I want to welcome you all the same and say thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. Uh, But before we dive into the message, I do want to catch you up on something personally that's gone on in my life. I know via COVID and quarantine, it's kind of like life just paused, like for your friends. You're like, what happened into their lives? And and I want to tell you that my life did not pause. Uh, The last time I was up here, I announced to you that we were expecting a baby girl. And through this whole entire time of quarantine, we welcomed a new baby girl into the world. And I want to show you a picture of her. She's right here. She's absolutely adorable. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, her name is Adeline Idel Nami Leach, and I know what you're wanting. It's two middle names, but Nami is Hebrew for sweetness and beauty, and she is sweet. She is hands down our, our best or our easiest infant that we've had. Uh, after our second one, her name is Lucy. She was colicky and just kept us up every single night, and we said, we're done. And then we accidentally had a baby, and I know you're asking, Daniel, how do you accidentally have a baby? I really, really love my wife, and that's how we accidentally had a baby. But no, we're in the middle of a series called The Life You've Always Wanted. And the premise of it is that thing that that you've always wanted, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but the thing that you've always wanted, but yet you can't get there. And we wanted to keep it broad for the pastors so they really could talk about what God has put in their heart or tickled their soul. And for me, for the subtitle of the life you've always wanted, I want to call it Invitation to the Mountain or Calling Us to the Mountain. And I know off the bat, you're like, that's a really good title, but what does that mean? So I'm going to explain to you the, the, in full circle, and hopefully by the end of it, you can understand where my heart is coming from. So a few weeks ago, I was driving to church, and there's a song by Hillsong called Highlands. Have you guys ever heard of it? It's absolutely powerful. I'll read just a few lines of it. Oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? Oh, how far I'd scale the valleys if your grace the other side. Oh, how long I have chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise against the rush of grace descending from the source of its supply. And it's like that the entire song. If you want poetry, print out these lyrics. I mean, man, alive. I did this after and it just, it wrecked me. But I started to hear this, and the line that really stuck out to me is, oh, how high the mountains I would climb if you were there. And my brain started to tick a little bit. And I felt like the God nudged me and reminded me of the story of the Israelites. When after getting through the Exodus, they see these miraculous signs, God delivers them from slavery, and then they get to Mount Sinai. And God says, come, come see me. See, most people believe that it was just Moses and Aaron that were invited to the mountaintop, but it was all of the Israelites. And they said, no, no, Moses, Aaron, you go to the top and whatever you say, we'll listen. So I'm sitting there in my car. And I think as a pastor, it's my job to ask myself hard questions because when I ask myself hard questions, it benefits you because then you get to ask those questions. Messages come out of those questions. So I asked myself, where am I? Am I stopping at the base? Or am I going to the pinnacle to meet God? And in that moment, I started weeping. I said, I miss you, Jesus. And it's not the fact that I'm not doing all the right things. I read my Bible every day. I worship him every day. I spend my quiet time with him every day. I pray to him every day. But the thing about becoming distant is you don't realize it until you're distant. 
See, I'm gonna be vulnerable with you guys because as a pastor to say, Jesus, I miss you, I don't think there's a lot of pastors that would get up on stage and say this story. But I believe if I can be vulnerable with you guys, you can ask yourself that question. Where are you? Are you on the base? Are you going to the mountaintop? Where are you? So we go into church. You know, I cleaned up my makeup. I was like, <laughs> cleaned up my makeup. I go inside and Pastor John pulls all, not all the staff, but a few staff members together. And, and we're like, why are we getting together? And, and he said, we, uh, our prayer pastor and our uh, missions pastor, Rebecca Murley, got a word for us. So she's, we come together, she goes, we woke up, I woke up last night at two, God woke me up and gave me a word and just started praying for the staff and for Jubilee and for uh, the pastors. And she said that the word, I can't get it word for word, but she said something along the lines of this, that it's been a season where it's felt distant or dry for some of the people in Jubilee and for some of the pastors and for some of the staff, but they're about to enter into a season of abundance. So remember this, this is 20 minutes after I had this conversation in the car with God. I didn't talk to anybody about it. So we go through the message and I go to her after and I say, thank you. Thank you for not making me feel alone. Like I'm the one that's in the wrong place. So what I wanna to talk to you about is God calling us to the mountaintop. And I wanted to do it in a way that would be applicable to everyone in here. So I thought to myself, what are the three reasons why we stop at the base and don't go to the top? And the first one is inadequacy. I think we come to our mind and we say, I'm inadequate to go to God. Or we say this, I'm inadequate, so I'll send the spiritual elite. I'll send the priests. I'll send the pastors. I'll send the clergy. And we say, that's fine. Just like the Israelites did with Moses and Aaron. I'll send them to the top and I'll just wait for what you have to say down here. But I have a perfect scripture for you guys. I'll give the background. It's in Luke 10, but Jesus is starting to get quite the following. You know, he has, it doesn't say the exact number, but it's the story when he sends out the 72. I'm assuming he has more than 72 followers at this time, but he sends out the 72 and he says, go with nothing and go do the miraculous and cast out demons, do those things. So they go and they cast out demons and they do the miraculous. They're healing people. They come back and they're like, Jesus, oh my gosh, there is power in your name. We were casting out demons. We were healing people and he says, truly I tell you, do not rejoice in the fact that you can cast out demons, but rejoice in the fact that your name is written down in the book of life. Okay, so this is where I wanna pick off. It's Luke 10, uh, 21 through 24. In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows who the son is except the father or who the father is except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, church, listen to me. When you see irregular words like privately, that's not mentioned a whole lot in the Bible, or when you see Jesus say truly, truly, what he's saying is it's not like Jesus actually said truly, truly repeated himself. What he's saying is truly. It had power behind what he's saying. So when you see privately, that means 
Open up your ears and read carefully of what's happening privately. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. Many theologians believe that when Jesus pulled his 12 disciples away from the 72, that it's one of the most intimate moments in the entire New Testament. He pulled him aside and he said, truly, truly, I can just imagine Jesus, you know, in tears. Truly, truly, what you're witnessing today, people like King David wanted to see. People like Elijah, people like Ezekiel, people like Malachi, they wanted to see these things, but guess what? I chose you to see them. I chose you to see them. And I say this point because it wasn't the spiritual elite that Jesus revealed himself as the son of God to. It was a bunch of ragtag young adults. Jesus revealed his spirit. Jesus revealed his name to the disciples, tax collectors, fishermen. It was them that Jesus and God chose to give it to. See, here's the biggest point. The difference between the spiritual elite back in that day. So for instance, really Paul was the only one that was qualified in being a disciple, but at this time he was actually killing the disciples. Okay, this is the difference right here. The disciples were available, okay? And the difference is it's not ability, it's about your availability. Are you available to God coming into your life? Are you available every day to say, Jesus, I want more of you, opening up your heart, saying I'm available. It's not about what I can do, but it's about what you can do through me. See, God can use your ability, but he first wants your availability. I have seen time in and time out people's ability getting in the way of their relationship with the Lord because they think they can do it by themselves. And that is not true. Another thing that I've thought of with inadequacy is age inadequacy. That we believe you have to get to a certain level of age in order to experience Jesus, and that is a flat out lie. You could start experiencing Jesus at any age. But here's the thing, it's different than the way that you experience Jesus. You can't expect a child to experience Jesus the same way that Jesus would approach an adult. But in the message or the scripture I just read, it said, thank you for revealing it to kids. To kids. The way you experience Jesus is different than the way I experience Jesus. I know this is funny and crazy, but some of the best moments of my life where I just hear the Holy Spirit is when I go golf by myself. Just turn on worship music and I golf. Whether I have a good shot, bad shot, God is good but I experience, I don't know if it's the, the green grass, I don't know if it's the mountains, the nature, I don't know what it is, but he reveals himself to me there. It looks different for everybody and that doesn't mean I don't go home and I pray on my knees. That's not the only way that I experience God, but please realize that everyone here experiences Jesus in different ways. So the first roadblock that stops us at the base instead of getting to the pinnacle is inadequacy. I believe the second one is lack of ownership. Lack of ownership. And um, one second. 
In Psalms 103.7, it says this. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. I know right off the bat, if you were to read this, you wouldn't think anything of it. You wouldn't think a second thought about it. But this is what happened. Moses chose to go to the top of the mountain and God revealed his character at the top of the mountain. Because Moses went to the top, the people got to see his deeds, but that's second hand compared to the character of God. So let me ask you this. Why is it human nature for us to put a, a barrier between God and ourselves? See, since Genesis, Adam and Eve put a, a barrier, okay? So there was separation. But all God's been trying to do ever since then for them to Jesus was to get us back together. And yet Jesus tears the veil. We have that togetherness again, but yet we choose to push them away still, we choose to put pastors in the way of God. We choose to put clergy instead of God. Why do we do this? All God has wanted this entire time is to be with you. He wants you. He wants your relationship. He doesn't want to just show his deeds to you. He wants to show his character to you. He wants to reveal those secrets to you. Church, listen to me. We have to stop putting this barrier. It's taking away the ownership of our relationship with God. So let me show you what happens when we don't have that ownership or one of the ways, one of the things that can happen. It's in Acts 19, 13 through 16, and it goes this way. A group of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of Lord Jesus in their incantation. Incantation is magic. It means magic. Uh, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Guys, I don't share this story to scare you. I do it to show you when you have the lack of ownership and the key word in that was I cast you out in the name of the God that Paul worships. They had no ownership in their relationship with the Lord. So I've got a story for you that I think will, will come back a full circle for my life. I was about 17 years old you know, in high school, as a junior, I was loving my life, loving my life. I had friends, I had a girlfriend, I was doing decent in sports. You know, I, I was at the top of the world, but what you don't realize in high school is that there's a real world after you graduate. You know, you graduate and you're like, oh, I am a small fish. I have nothing here. So I graduate, or I, I'm 17, and my dad comes to me in September and he goes, hey, do you want to come to Peru with me on an exploratory missions trip? And I said, Machu Picchu, I think yes, that sounds amazing. So we go to Peru in January and we start off in Lima and it is such an impactful time. I mean, I, I've been to Ireland and I've been to LA and I've been to downtown Denver, but the poverty, certain poverty in Lima, Peru was just, it, it changed everything. It opened my eyes. So we go to Lima and then we go to Cusco. And in Cusco, we're staying at a hotel and, and we're doing ministry with orphanages up there. And we finally get to our free day, so we go to the market. And I go to the market, and I see this, this, this thing, this little sculpture. And I go, oh, that's cool. And I was like, how much is it? You know, bargain for it, of course. So I get it. I bring it back. I'm rooming with my dad, and I go, Dad, look at this. And he goes, 
Daniel, you do realize that's the Incan sun god, right? And I go, no, I did not. What do, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So he's like, throw it away. And I just, you know, tossed it. So that night we're talking. And, 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 and we're, you know, we're just chatting up. And then finally, okay, let's good night, good night. So I'm laying in bed. And you know how like, you're dreaming? You kind of jump from dream to dream to dream to dream. And, and so I'm jumping from dream to dream to dream to dream. And then finally, I get to this dream where I get, I, I don't know how to explain it unless you've experienced yourself. I get to this position where I'm like flexing and I can't move. And then all of a sudden I feel like I'm burning alive. And I go, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And I can't wake up. I'm not allowed to wake up. I don't know what's happening. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And then finally it releases. I don't know how long it lasts, okay? But I run over to my dad's bed and I go, dad, this is just, just happening. He's like, we need to pray. We need to pray. So we pray. Okay. You would think uh, a dream like this, you would think an experience like this missions trip would be you know, life-changing, and it was for a little bit, but if you don't keep experiencing those things, guess what happens? You integrate into your old self. So guess what? I integrate into my old self. And this next year, uh, you know, I'm from the top of the world, to, to, I blew out my knee in football. Uh, like they call it the trifecta. I blew out every ligament in my knee. I'm never allowed to play football, basketball, anything like that. That's why I golf now. <laughs> um, and my girlfriend and I broke up. My dog died, just a bunch of stuff. I have no direction, identity in what I want to do. And, and I have to get a senior project done. So I get my, 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 my dad comes to me again. Hey, we're going to Peru again this year uh, for the second time. And it's going to be in January. And I go, oh man, I need a senior project. Maybe I can twist it in a way where I can get a senior project and go on a missions trip at the same time. Uh, and so I said, yes. So same story. Lima's absolutely amazing. Impactful, you know, just being able to pray and see these orphans and, and just see what God's doing was, was incredible. Then we get to Cusco. And we're staying at the exact same hotel. Exactly a year later, and I completely forgot about that dream. And guess what happened on the last night that we were there? I fell asleep and I'm bouncing from dream to dream to dream to dream. I can't wake up. I can't move. And I feel like I'm burning alive. Jesus' name help me. In Jesus' name help me. In Jesus' name help me. In Jesus' name help me. Finally goes away. Don't know long, how long it lasts. Go to my dad. Let's pray. We pray. And you would think again, me experiencing this, that I would come back changed, excited. But guess what? I didn't choose to keep experiencing what was happening there, so I integrate. And I, you know, I passed my, my senior final or my senior project in the finals. And you know, I was like, I gotta go to college somewhere, so I go to CCU. I'm commuting. I go there for like, what, like two weeks, three weeks, and I'm like, I'm done. And my parents spent like $10,000 and they were really happy about that. So it was awesome for them. No. And then I go up north, go to, go to uh, Front Range Community College in Fort Collins and go there for a little bit. And, and I have uh, someone in my life that says, what are you doing in your life that's positively affecting your future? And I go, nothing. I'm doing nothing in my life. You know, I'm just living my life, doing what I want to do. And he said, you should think about going to YWAM. YWAM is Youth with a Mission, which is a missionaries organization in Hawaii and actually all over the world. But I was like, you know what? I think that's a good idea. So I pulled the trigger. I'm going to YWAM in Hawaii. My parents and I go out a few days before to golf, to you know, get ready, get the things I need for school. And um, we're staying in a hotel. And the night before I go to YWAM, I fall asleep. And I hear a noise in my room. And I physically can remember pushing up 
pushing up. And you know that lethargic stage in, in your sleep? I go, I wonder if it was a squirrel. I don't know why I said, I wonder if it's a squirrel. But then like two seconds after I said, I said, what if it's a demon? And those two dreams that I remembered, that's why I said, what if it's a demon? I'm physically standing, my arms are pushed up looking around and I physically got slammed to my bed and got instantly, like more, more, it was, I could physically feel the burns more than the other two dreams and I couldn't move and I was in my room alone. There's nothing I could do in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And then finally it went away. Go to my parents' room, we gotta pray. The very next day, I go to YWAM and I say this entire story because at YWAM, God radically transformed me to the point where I took ownership over my relationship with the Lord rather than putting my ownership in my parents. To this day, I have not had a dream like that. It's actually been the antithesis of those dreams. So this raises the question to you. Are you taking ownership over your own relationship with the Lord or you're putting a barrier? Are you putting a friend, a sibling, a spouse, parents? Church, I don't mean to come off harsh here. I'm the one at the beginning that said, I miss Jesus and I'm a pastor. I'm preaching to myself. Are you taking ownership over your own relationship with the Lord? So I think the first one is inadequacy. The second one is lack of ownership. And third and lastly, I think it's complacency. I think complacency can get in the way of, of getting to the pinnacle, getting to see face to face with God. It's just like when I went to YWAM, I have this magical experience, absolutely incredible, okay? And it's like, it's like the honeymoon phase where you're just being fed. Everything, every day, it's just yum, 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 yum. God is speaking to me, yum, 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 yum. And you're force fed at YWAM where like you're forced to go to worship, you're forced to go to classes. They say in three months of, of DTS, it's like equivalent to like five years of church. Like it's, it's, it's very intense. But then guess what? You get home and you're like, What's, I'm not forced to do this anymore. So very quickly, I realized that I need to implement the right things in order to keep this relationship going. Reading my Bible, setting that time aside. It's a lot like a marriage. It's like with my wife, Holly. We went on a, our honeymoon and it was, um, <laughs> maybe you guys have heard this story. It was the, the first morning of our honeymoon. <laughs> She's a morning person. I'm not a morning person. I am death in the morning. I don't want to be around me early in the morning. And she rolls over, hey, Daniel, you want to go on a bike ride and go out to eat and do all these things? And I'm like, I roll over and I go, do you know what it says about this in the Bible? And she goes, what? And I go, in Ecclesiastes, it says, a loud welcoming in the morning is considered a curse and not a blessing. <laughs> and she goes, oh, and rolls over. And I was like, lesson 101, don't ever quote biblical scripture in a negative way towards your wife. And she, she was like, she was, you know, forgave me. We're in the honeymoon phase. If I said that to her today, I would be kicked out of the house. So I learned my lesson really quick, but it's like the honeymoon phase. 
okay, where everything's an adventure. We're going to the grocery store. Let's go grocery shopping. Everything's just exciting. We're going on a walk. And now it's like, Daniel, I need you to get diapers. I need you to get wipes. Okay, I can't leave because the kids are right here. And Malachi just peed his pants, blah, blah, blah. I got to do all these things. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. And, And so just, it's completely different. But here's the difference. In our premarital uh, counseling, which we offer at Jubilee for Holly and I, we, uh, they said, you will become complacent in your marriage if you don't stay intimate. And it's nice and easy in the honeymoon phase to stay intimate. And that's not just what a man wants and not what just a woman wants. It's what you guys want together. It's nice and easy to have that intimate time, but then you have kids. Then you have a a promotion, more time taken away. So Holly and I, from the beginning of our marriage said, we will always put away side to be intimate with each other. It's a trap. Listen, if you are married, it's a trap to say, I already know you. That's so important, church, to say, I already know you. Stay intimate So bring this back to God. How do we stay intimate to God? How do we do this? I would call it the secret place. And I know right off the bat, you guys hearing what the secret place is, it's like hearing, you know, my devotional. It can become a corny word, a watered down word, but I promise you, One of the most important things that you can learn in your life is how to get to the secret place because there's not a lot of people that know how to. And it's not one of those things that I've experienced it, but me telling you about it, it's so hard to define it. But there's a few things that I could tell you about. The secret place is where very few words are spoken. The secret place is where it's quiet. In order to get to the secret place, you must disconnect in order to connect. You must get out of your mind's ads of what's going around in your world. Oh, I forgot to mow the lawn. Oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, I need to do this. You have to be able to be quiet. And it's a muscle that you have to learn. But just like any other muscle, you can't get the definition of the muscle unless you grow it. You have to practice it. You have to try it. The way that you stay intimate with the Father is through the secret place. And every single one of you are capable of getting there. Every last one of you. And don't let anything, don't let your inadequacy get in the way. Don't let your lack of ownership, don't let your being scared of something. You know, the Israelites were scared to go to the top of the mountain because it was scary. You know, in the Bible, it says that we need to have the fear of God, but there's also the love of God. There's two definitions of fear. One is I am scared. The other is having the reverence of the Father. And so often, people in the church take the reverence and it gets in the way of the love of God and the love of God can't get through because the fear of God's in the way. But what God is saying is that it's two, it's combined. Have the reverence for me so you can enjoy my love. I really believe God's going to do something in your lives. 
Rebecca Murley prophesied it, and when she talks, I listen to her. I believe you guys are about to become into a time of abundance, a season of abundance where your ear is gonna be so close to the Lord that he's gonna be able to whisper and you're gonna be able to hear those secrets. You're gonna be able to lead your families. You're gonna be able to leave your friends. You're gonna be able to leave your coworkers. Take in this word. God has got something for you in this next season. And don't let these three ways, these three reasons get in the way of you getting to the secret place. There's anything that I can just convince you to do is at least try it. At least try it. For me, I have to do it at nighttime. Like I said, I'm not a morning person. So I have to do it. And then, you know, I wake up, you know, my, my, my son wakes up at 5 a.m. So I, I am a morning person now, apparently, but, <laughs> but comes in at 5 a.m. So I don't have time in the morning to do it. And then I go to work. So I have to wait to put all the kids down. And then I go in my basement and that's where I have my quiet time. It's where I have my secret place. Church, I encourage you just to try it. The way that I want to wrap this up, I believe I have a really cool illustration to show you guys. So I asked Camille Camp to come and help me with this because she is an avid. Cake lover. <laughs> so. Camille, would you hold that for me, please? Guys, give it up for Camille. For eating cake. <laughs> She's such a good worship pastor and eating cake. No, Okay, so Camille, what I want you to do is tell me what this cake tastes like. Well, there is a white frosting on it, so maybe nothing tastes white, vanilla, um, and blueberry, I don't know, like a fruit, so fruity and vanilla-y. Okay, all right. Now, would you do me a favor and take a bite of that cake? Yeah, absolutely. And then tell us what it tastes like. Made for this. Oh, no. Oh, it's dirty. You're only the seventh person to use that fork, too. Perfect. No, just kidding. Perfect. <laughs> oh, my God, it's really good, you guys. <laughs> you all messed up for not raising your hands. Okay, so what does it taste like now? It is vanilla, and there is, like, a blueberry filling in it. Okay. And the frosting is, like, a whipped cream frosting. I think I didn't get it good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's that still. It's really good. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Camille. Guys, give it up for Camille. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, another one. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. So the reason that I show this to you, okay, when she first was explaining to it without even taking a bite, she's expressing to it, and that's where you guys were at. You know, it looks... Like it has blueberries. If you were up here looking at it, it looks like it has vanilla in it. But the second that she took a bite, she could tell you the difference. She could tell you it was for sure blueberry. There was for sure vanilla. There's a whipped cream part of it, right? But guess what? You didn't taste it. You didn't know what it was like. You still were at the thing. It might be blueberry. It might be vanilla. Okay, so if my son was to come up here and try this cake, he wouldn't care what flavor it is. He would just eat it. Okay, but if my grandfather was to come up here, who's been an avid cake lover forever, 
was to come up, he would give you the undertones. He'd be like, uh, is that Belgium or German chocolate? He'd be like, there might be a slight lemon zest in it. Something along the lines of that. He, you know, he would go deeper. It would be more mature. So my son, he experiences it. You know, it's yummy. Everything's yummy. But the more mature you get, the more mature that you get love cake, it's deeper. And I say this to you because it comes back to you. I can talk to you about the secret place and I could try to tell you what it tastes like, what it's like, but it is faulty and worthless unless you go and experience it for yourself, unless you go and taste it for yourself. In Psalms 30, it says, come and taste and see the goodness of God. Come taste and see the goodness of God. And that is the invitation to the top of the mountain. But please realize this, Moses didn't go to the mountain and stay on the mountain. Moses had to come back down from the mountain. See, we fully will get to understand what the secret place is when we go to heaven. But right now on earth, we have to go to the secret place and come back down. But it's the time in between going up and coming down where it becomes very easy to become complacent. So stay vigilant, church. He's inviting you this weekend to come and taste and see his goodness. I have the honor of doing communion with you this weekend. And I think it fits so well with this message of tasting and seeing the goodness of God. So if you would pull out your, your communion cups, that would be great. And then just pull off the plastic part of it. There will be the bread. So in the Bible, it says that when we take communion, we do it in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. So what the representation of the bread is, is his body and his body broken for us so we may be made complete. It's to remember everything that he had to go through, the humiliation, the hard work that he had to put into the sacrifice that he had to do. That's what the bread is. And what the Lord is saying to you right now is come and taste and see my goodness and my faithfulness and my completion. So would you join me in taking the bread, please? And then with the juice, if you guys have opened it or not, I haven't, I just invite you to open it as well. Jesus said the same thing. We do this in remembrance of him, but it's different. It was the cup of wine. It wasn't juice, but it was a representation of the sacrifice of what Jesus went through on the cross for our sins. The whipping, being spat on, the crown of thorns being plunged into his head, being kicked, beaten, having his legs broken. We do this in remembrance of what he did in order that we might receive salvation through his sacrifice. And what he's saying right now, church, is come and taste and see. Come and taste and see my goodness and I will show it to you. So would you join me in taking the blood of Jesus? I'm gonna... I have a response song that I wanted to do. It's actually the song that uh, inspired this entire message. It's Highlands by Hillsong. 
extremely powerful. And I, but before that, I want to pray and I, over you guys, and then we'll go into the song for response time. So Jesus, we love you. Hmm. What do you want, Jesus? What do you want right now? What are you moving at? Jesus, I know that you did something special today. And Lord, if it brought conviction or if it brought something that that makes people want to change, Lord, I pray that they would feel the tender love that you have behind that. Lord, but don't let them forget it. Just like when I went to Peru and came back, Lord, how I forgot what you had done and I integrated slowly back into to what I was doing, Jesus. I pray that the people today would walk around changed. Lord, but most importantly, out of anything else today, let them experience you in a secret place. Reveal yourself to them in new ways. As it was prophesied, I pray that they would hear you and that there would be an abundance of seasons coming up where they would hear your voice, that it would grow, Jesus. I pray that the fear of God would never get in the way of the love that you have for us, Jesus. You know what? Here's another thing. When Moses left the mountaintop, it says that his face was radiant. So Jesus, I pray that the people that visit the mountaintop, the people that go to the secret place, that they would be radiant. Jesus, that they would leave and they would walk around and people would say, there's something different about that person. There's something different about that person. So I pray that people in this room would change, that they would be radiant. And only you can do that, God. So we surrender to you. We surrender our needs and our ambitions. We give it to you, Jesus. Use us, use us. We are available to you. We take ownership over you and we rebuke in the name that we would never become complacent Christians, especially in this time and age, Lord. We need radical Christians. We need people that are fully going after you. So Jesus, I charge the people in this church to go radically after you, to be radically changed after you. Jesus, I want you. I want you so bad. And I know the people in this church do too. So be with them, love on them. You are so good. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen.